What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McNichols, joined by my co-host, Rich Houck, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. It is Sunday, April 2nd. I am Ryan McNichols, host of the Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by Rich Houck. Hey, what's up, everybody? And our producer, Mike Coyle. What's going on, guys? So, it's been a little bit since we've been together. We are going to get into free agency and the things that have happened. There's been quite a bit of moves. We're past the first wave, and I guess I want to say the second wave of free agency as well. Getting close to the draft. It's at the end of the month here. But we want to take a look at all of the moves that have happened in this offseason and talk about the fantasy fallout from that, you know, where... With the quarterback movement and some players signing new deals, kind of just the fantasy effects from that for the teams that they landed on. We're going to start off today with the biggest storyline of the offseason. I feel like it's the biggest storyline of the offseason, one of the two at least as far as the NFL is concerned. That's Aaron Rodgers is allegedly being traded to the New York Jets. Don't care. Don't care. Still don't care. I don't care. Yeah, I don't. Is it is there been more news since uh, what we heard last week? I mean, it just seems like it's stagnated at this point. No, no new news on Aaron the Aaron Rodgers front. He had expressed his desire to play for the New York Jets, the Green Bay Packers. So after coming out of the darkness retreat, Aaron Rodgers decided that he, well, he was he decided he wanted to play football. And apparently, when he came out of the darkness retreat, he started getting messages from players or friends around the league and got a feeling that the Packers were ready to move on from him so he decided that he wanted to play for the New York Jets and basically expressed that desire to the Packers and then there was some talk that maybe it was you know Aaron Rodgers hadn't decided and that's what was holding everything up he went on Pat McAfee you know the show with his boy and let everybody know that he had already told them what he wanted to do and basically it's just a matter of the Jets and the Packers trying to figure out compensation you know, the Packers, it's rumored they want a first round plus something else. The Jets are trying to stave off on giving the 13th overall pick this year. So I don't know if that means they're trying to give a second or if they're trying to give a first next year. It seems, reading the tea leaves, seems like they might wait until after the draft. The Jets? To, yeah, or? to make the trade. They, they might give up the first, but not this year. You know, right after the draft, they're, they're okay with sending the 24 first because at that point, you have Aaron Rodgers and you're hoping that it's in the 20s or, you know, later. Yeah. As opposed to early teens pick. For sure. Yeah, and that's and I hear talk, you know, other people mention, like, it should be something like a, a conditional pick or something, you know what I mean, to determine, you know, like, if you want to pick next year, make it a conditional pick based off of Rodgers' performance. It's one of those things where... You know, that's kind of the compromise where, you know, if the Packers are saying, you know, he's still the MVP caliber player that he was, you know, two seasons ago and he's worth the first round pick, then have it a condition of they, you know, make it so far he perform or hits, you know, X amount of, you know, yards and touchdowns and whatnot, then you get a first round pick. But if he doesn't, the pick slips to the second round. Right. But chances are, if he does hit those benchmarks, it's a late first round pick. Right. So it's like as you're sitting in the Packers, you know, then they're thinking, they want that earlier. If they think he's still that MVP caliber dude and he can be that guy, then they want that earlier first-round pick. So that could be the holdup, too. But if he's going to be an MVP caliber player, then the first-round pick is going to be a late round regardless of whether it's conditional or not. Well, so. no, no, I'm saying that the Packers want this year's first-round pick from the right. Jets. They want 13, whereas, you know, if they 
do go the conditional route, it ends up being a 24 pick, and chances are it's a later it's a later pick. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot we could get into with the contract. It's been talked at ad nauseum this offseason. Let's get into the fantasy aspect of it. Do we imagine Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Jets this season? I can see it. Is that the most likely outcome? Is his retirement more likely? I don't think he's playing for the Packers this season. At this point, it seems more likely he plays for the Jets than he retires. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, okay. I mean, I can't imagine him retiring with all the talk that's going on. If obviously everything in the offseason for the last few years has re- revolved about around Rodgers, but um, have you guys seen any news about him possibly retiring at no, all? No. I mean, I, have, I haven't seen anything like that. It seems like he fully intends on playing and fully intends on not playing in Green Bay. Um, I said that was the thing, too. They were talking because the talk is, you know, with the trade, if the trade doesn't happen because the Jets really don't want to give up the thing, it was like, if you're Rodgers, do you just show up to the Packers training camp? Like, I'm playing football this season, and you can trade me, or you can eat my salary cap, but I'm showing up and playing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where's – what happens here? That's a good question. I mean, do, do they send them home? That's <laughs> what I mean. So, so what are you guys? So, what if he if he ends up on the Jets? Let's look at that scenario. That's what we're, we're concerned okay. about for fantasy football. What what well, are we doing with Zach Wilson? Who? <laughs> the Jets' plan is to hold Zach Wilson and develop him. Who? That's what their plan is. Who are we talking about? Their first round pick uh, quarterback from a few years ago. Uh, we don't know who that is. <laughs> he uh, banged his best friend's mom. Allegedly. Allegedly banged his best friend's mom. Got to throw the allegedly in there. <laughs> we don't need any uh, defamation suits here. Right. <laughs> so Aaron Rodgers is allegedly going to the Jets. That has some implications there because the Jets have made some moves for Aaron Rodgers, it seems like, in the offseason. The first thing being that they signed his buddy Alan Lazard to a four-year deal with $44 million. They also brought in Mecole Hardman on a one-year deal that's worth a max of $6.5 million. And at the same time, they've traded Elijah Moore to the Cleveland Browns uh, along with a third-round pick in exchange for a second-round pick. So Elijah Moore is gone, out of the picture. Yeah, and if I uh, stop you real quick, what, how do you where, – where are you feeling on both of those guys right now on, on before you go too deep into it, on Hardman and, and Moore? As Which far guys? Uh, Hardman uh, coming into the Jets. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, that's just what I was about to get into. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so, sorry. Uh, Hardman, I don't really think has any has too much value. He's just kind of another guy in the lineup to fill in. I think Corey Davis is going to end up being a cap casualty. So the real issue is that Alan Lazard joined the team, and that's not good for Garrett Wilson's volume. This was something I had spoken about before where I didn't know what Garrett Wilson's volume is going to be this year if they had a more fit again he had 135 targets last year if he has more efficient quarterback play that target share needs to go up in order for him to hit the threshold that people are going to draft him at as you know wide receiver 10 to 12 and with Alan Lazard coming in I don't know that he hits 150 or 160 targets in order to get that in addition to that there's there's talk about possibly OBJ being signed to the team as well so Alan Lazard is there. We know Aaron Rodgers has a connection with him. He's going to take some targets from Garrett Wilson. So it, I'm just, I, it doesn't change anything for me with Garrett Wilson because I was already said it. Garrett Wilson is closer to wide receiver 15 than he is wide receiver 10 to 12. But I know that other people felt differently. Yeah, I think I probably have Garrett Wilson a little bit higher than that. I mean, I, I would love to acquire Garrett Wilson where I can. Um, I, I don't think that. I mean, how, how many? Do we know how many yards he had off the top of our head here? Hold on a second. I'll take a look at that. Uh, Garrett Wilson last season. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take a look. Okay. So anyway, so 
I, I did do something, though. I, I went through some numbers and I established some baselines for us. So when we talk about this, remember last year when we would talk about players, we kept giving a bunch of people the wide receiver three or flex category designation or like this guy could be the wide receiver mm-hmm. two. I've gone through and I've done some numbers to establish a baseline. Go okay, ahead. yeah. And uh, Garrett Wilson last year had 1,100 yards uh, with four touchdowns. Okay, perfect. That falls in line with kind of what I wanted to get into here. So, I mean, that's an elite rookie season. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I, I pulled up Lazard stats because I, you know, I just wanted to familiarize myself with them. I don't know if I'm too worried about him. I know he's got the connection with with Rodgers, and I mean, last year he was basically the number one over there in Green Bay. I know Rodgers had a you know a down year in terms of his production. Lazard also missed time. He did miss some time. He played. It, he missed one uh, two games. He played 15 games, 100 targets, 60 catches, 788 yards, six touchdowns. I mean. I don't know if I'm really worried about that too much. Okay. So, again, this is where I think you guys aren't hearing me, where I'm saying he's wide receiver 15 and not a 10 to 12, and there's different thresholds you need to hit to get there. So that's what I wanted to get into so we could avoid having putting everybody in the same category. So I went on a website. It's called Stat News, and it gives you some information about past years and averages and things like that. So per Stat News, in 2022, wide receivers on average had a 63.3% catch rate and a 12.6 yards per catch. So that's average across wide receivers, 12.6 yards per catch. So just using those as a baseline to establish what we're expecting. If you, in order to then be, oh, and by the way, um, there was 26 wide receivers who had six or more receiving touchdowns last year. So those are the baselines I used, 12.6 yards per reception, 63% catch rate, and six touchdowns. If you are a wide receiver one and you get six catches a game, not targets, six catches a game, you will finish the season with 102 receptions, 1,285 yards, and six touchdowns. That comes out to 266.5 fantasy points, which is 15.68 fantasy points per game. That's the threshold I'm setting to be a wide receiver one in the league. And that lines up perfectly with the information we have from last year, if you look at wide receivers on a points-per-game basis. Last year, wide receiver 10 on a points-per-game basis was 16.7. 11 was 16.4. And Jalen Waddle on a points-per-game basis was wide receiver 12 with 15.2. So again, that average of 15.6 I got from that is a pretty solid baseline for where you're going to finish. So that's what I'm establishing as the baseline for a wide receiver one. Go ahead, Mike. I just think he takes that next step. Huh? You should go and take that next step. He's that guy. Okay, so, again, so what I said was is 102 catches, 1,285, so almost 1,300 yards, and six touchdowns. So he needs an additional 200 yards and four more touchdowns this season with having Alan Lazard as competition. It's one of those things where I think he'll be closer to a wide receiver, too, who will finish with... If you get five catches a game, that's the next baseline established, five catches a game, you'll finish the season 85 catches, 1,071 yards, six touchdowns at 228 points. That comes out to be 13.4 fantasy points per game. Again, that's about where wide receiver 20 came in and finished last year. So I am thinking that Garrett Wilson finishes somewhere above that threshold, but beneath the threshold that I have set for a wide receiver one. Okay. Okay. So you guys feel differently, though. You think he's a 1,300 yard receiver, 100 yard, 100 catches, and and six touchdowns or more. 
Yeah, he's five, ten times better than Alan Lazard. I don't, I, yeah, Lazard's going to get some targets and some catches, but outside of them two, what do they really have? I mean, Miko Hardman hasn't really been much. They're, the tight end position is a void. They might be bringing um, in OBJ. Cor- Okay. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything to me, really. Don't care. Don't care. Still don't care. I don't care. It's, uh, what is he called? Uh, uh, another interesting, obviously, thing about the Jets is uh, the Elijah Moore situation. I, I, I think we probably hammered Garrett Wilson enough. Um, I think all of us agree that he is definitely a good player. Uh, just where he will end up finishing this year is, uh, I mean, it's, it's nebulous at this point with the quarterback change, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers being who he is and having that connection with with Lazard, uh, I think we we talked about this last year. Uh, you know, he seems like a guy that might not always have a lot of faith in younger guys. Um, but I I just think Garrett Wilson, from what I actually saw when he played last year, looked like he was you know has the potential to be elite, potential to be a top. I mean, even you know eight guy. Um, it's just very nebulous, and I I do I do appreciate. Uh, what what kind of the the statistical uh, analysis on that Rye. Um I have no issue with Garrett Wilson's talent. My issue is is with this thing where there's only so many targets and receptions and touchdowns to go around, especially on a team that is supposed to have a really good defense as well. Like I don't think they're scoring thirty points a game, so I don't know. Like again, I just I I just I don't I, we're expecting a huge jump, and I'm just seeing a lot of things that say like, hey, it might not be that huge of a jump from what he was last year. So. And again, even with what I'm saying and I'm giving him, it's a huge jump. Because on a points-per-game basis last year, Garrett Wilson was wide receiver 30. Uh, this is among qualified wide receivers with uh, 50 or more targets. That only excludes uh, one wide receiver. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head at the moment. Uh, but somebody who didn't really play a whole lot of games. Uh, but Garrett Wilson was wide receiver 30 on a points-per-game basis with 12.7. I'm moving him all the way up to wide receiver 15 on a points-per-basis and giving him essentially an extra 2.5 points per game. Like, I just, in order to be a top-10 wide receiver, he's got to be pushing 17 fantasy points per game based off of where you had to finish last year. And I, that that's like five points a game is just too huge of a jump for me to make from year one to year two when he's got a new quarterback that doesn't like using run, young rookies and is bringing in uh, a wide receiver that he does have a previously established connection to. So uh, KTC currently has him as the fifth uh, wide receiver as far as value goes. Is that in a um, dynasty superflex? Dynasty non superflex, okay. um, and uh, eight overall. Um, so again, you, that's dynasty, right? Right. Yeah. Well, I was just saying. Um, Kind of switch gears a little bit. I was just talking about where I thought he was going to finish for this season. Where he's yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, Obviously, I'm, in mm-hmm. in uh, what's it called? That's the right thing for a dynasty. Right. So you still agree that uh, he ha- he holds a ton of value? Oh, yeah. Long term, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. in a year or two when Aaron Rodgers is out and they get a new quarterback in there, hopefully, you know, or even if Aaron Rodgers sticks around for two years and develop more, again, I'm expecting him to be a useful, again, top 15 wide receiver. I'm just not expecting a top 10 wide receiver from him. Got you. Got you. Cool. Let's uh, talk about um, Elijah Moore for a second here, though, before we move on too much. Um, obviously, I, I tried to buy Elijah Moore for a second last year. Um, I'm glad I didn't now. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, uh, Rich, on just with him being moved over to Cleveland? Don't care. Don't care. Still don't care. I don't care. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. You're out? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been out yeah. for a while. It just Were bah. you out before he was gone? Before he got traded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even though he gets he gets sent over to Cleveland, I mean, 
he should have some opportunity there. But for everything, all the reports that come, everything it seems to me that he has a bit of an attitude problem, based off of everything that's come out. And I just just look at it like dudes like that are a dime a dozen in the league, and they very rarely do anything. And the ones that do are so special that they can get away with having an attitude. Right. He's he, I don't think he is. So I. And just the bottom line is Amari Cooper is there. He's acted as the wide receiver one last year. I know there was some – it was pretty hit or miss as far as it came to that being. But, I mean, why would – I don't know how much we expect that to, sh- to change. Maybe you're hoping Deshaun Watson comes back to form. I'm not really banking on it too much. I don't yeah, – you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. see. I mean, if – But you, bottom line is Amari Cooper seems like he'd be ahead of him. Donovan Peoples-Jones has been there and has sort of a role, and he seemed like he might have been starting to come along towards the end of last season where he sort of was moving. And Amari Cooper is getting older, but – the offense looked bad last year when Deshaun Watson came in and took over. Elijah Moore is at best the number two on a team that seemed like they wanted to run a lot, even though I'm hearing that they want to – what, you think he's the, he could be the one? No, I think he's the three. Okay, I said I, he's see, at best at the best two. At best the two. I'm like, I think he's at best the three. Okay. I, I just – So no – DPJ is not someone to be slept on. Like I just, I have him in my dynasty. Amari team, so Cooper I'm open, is, is still a very good wide receiver. DPJ can't be slept on. David Njoku – is a very good tight end who came on last year. I think them bringing in Elijah Moore is just is the final nail in the coffin and a death sentence for David Bell. David Bell is, isn't going to be it. He's done. That's it. That's what I think, personally. Yeah. That's why they bring oh, I, him in. I know you're very disappointed. Yeah, I'm a little upset. That was my guy. Me too. Um, but, <laughs> I, you know, same thing with me with Jalen Tolbert. He was kind of the guy I had in that They're bringing in Elijah year. Moore to be, their, in my opinion, their fourth pass-catching pass catching option and depth. I just on a I, team that didn't throw a lot last yes. year. On a run first team. Fair so enough. like you know play taps. Y'all wanna go buy for a second, be my guest. If I had him, I would sell him. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then Brees Hall I got a little bit into in, in the last episode that I did where I'd mentioned that you know, with the injury in week seven, I don't know that he nec- I don't think he should start the beginning of the season. I think he'll It'll be the same pattern that happened with other running backs where he'll play the first three or four weeks and then injure something and end up missing a month in the middle of the season. That's where I'm at. I know you feel differently. Yeah, um, we, we mentioned, we talked about it a bit before we uh, went on air. It's just, do I expect him to come back and be what he was last year right away? No, I don't think so. Um, ACLs nowadays are typically, you know, a nine-month recovery period um and he had a meniscus in there too with you know it's cartilage that that's another bit of a problem but a lot of the other guys that we talked about before um who missed significant time who came back played then went back out again re-injuring something in the knee Saquon Barkley J.K. Dobbins Javante Williams all have their multiple ligament injuries uh whereas ACL LCL ACL MCL things of that nature his was one ligament and the cartilage so, and then what do we feel about Christian Watson, who's now on the Green Bay Packers with Jordan Love as quarterback? That's the uh, other fallout with Aaron Rodgers leaving the Packers that affects the Packers players. Yeah, it's tough to say. I mean, we'll see what Jordan Love is. Um, reports are that they like him. He seems to be pretty good. Um, will he have that, you know, crazy touchdown inefficiency, I guess you would call it, based off such limited volume? He had so many touchdowns. I don't know. Be, he's an interesting case. It's a very interesting case. So, again, with those kind of baselines I had said earlier, do we imagine Christian Watson finishing with 85 catches and over 1,000 yards and six touchdowns at the end of the season with Jordan Love? No. 
he might he might eclipse the he might eclipse the touchdowns just off the strength of the deep ball. But uh, I don't know. It's an interesting question. So we're viewing him as a wide receiver three. Then is essentially where we're at. Is something closer to. You know, I think he could easily get the threshold for that. You know, if you get four catches a game, it's 68 catches at the end of the year, 856 yards and six touchdowns. They'll come out to be 11.1 fantasy points per game from him. So I think he can finish somewhere between the threshold for a three and two at wide receiver yeah, position. That's fair. And is that it? Yeah, okay. I'm about even on that. That's <laughs> cool. Right. Just wanted to make sure. And then also the other thing I, I – uh, apparently, at some point, the Jets had expressed interest in Jamal Williams. Again, that was the only other thing that had uh, brought up with where I was just like, why are they interested in another running back out there? That was before Jamal Williams signed with the deal. We'll get to that later on. Lamar Jackson. Talked about Lamar Jackson's contract situation. We'll ignore all of that in this episode and just talk about the fantasy players around him. What are we doing with Rashad Bateman, Mike, as a Rashad Bateman owner? Uh, holding at this point uh, for Dynasty. Um uh, I, I would obviously like to see more. Uh, not like to see more. I mean, he's hurt. Um, he's in a weird situation. Uh, that Ravens uh, front office locker room seems, uh, from you know, player tweets, uh, just kind of very emotional uh, over there. Um, got a lot of former players uh, coming out and saying, you need to pay the man. You got owners that don't want to guarantee long-term deals. We give long-term guaranteed money to quarterbacks which i also think from a business perspective makes sense um he's you know uh obviously had some injury history i i don't know um for bateman specifically if lamar, lamar jackson is there how do you feel about rashad if something works out lamar jackson goes i don't back. know i here's the thing about bateman like uh i acquired him uh at a point where i was kind of uh, retooling my team um, he was a throw in a trade for Leonard Fournette I still think at this point his value has not gone up at all if anything it's gone down um, purely because he hasn't been playing football we haven't gotten to see a whole lot out of him um, he's looked good when he gets the ball in his hands but here's the problem he's not getting the ball in his hands a whole lot uh, throughout his NFL career so far um, it's one of those long term projects I'm holding hopefully he doesn't turn into Elijah Moore but that's very much it could be. New guys coming to the league, lingering injury issues. Football's a tough game. Um, you know, yeah, new offensive coordinator. These things, you know, sometimes they're they're good, but um, change is hard uh, for a lot of players. You know, you spend all this time learning a system, getting acquainted with, you know, getting in getting in rhythm with your your QB and you know your offense as a whole. It's so it's I, I don't feel good about it, but I'm not I'm not panic selling on him at all. Um, we're just gonna hold it. Uh, he's very young, and we'll we'll go from there. Um, am I looking to acquire him? Not particularly. Uh, only as a depth piece, and not for a lot. Um, at this point, maybe a late second is somewhere I might be willing to buy in on him. Uh, just from I've done a couple mocks, and they're. As we we all know, uh, those late second and third round picks, uh, you're really starting to get into dart throw territory as far as percentages go on hits and misses. So he's still a dart throw. He's shown a little bit on the field in the NFL while he's been healthy. Man, you remember about was it a month ago, six weeks ago, when we were uh, going over the offense coordinator changes, and we were all excited for J.K. Dobbins and for. Rashad Bateman especially, 
because uh, Greg Roman was gone and now the Ravens were potentially going to throw the ball more and free Rashad and man things change quick it's the I get I get it's been dragging out for a long time now and with I know tweets are just tweets but like with tweets from players and whatnot uh, coming out in support of Lamar, which you know that is what it is. Yeah, the players. I just are- feel so shaky. If I'm a Ravens fan, I'm feeling shaky about this season too. I don't. You know, Lamar comes back. Like, what is the vibe uh, in that locker room? I mean, they, people, players seem to love him. Uh, he seems to be a, a big locker room guy. So we'll have to say. Um, but yeah, the the fact that it's getting drawn out is making me nervous. All the former players are rooting for it because they're always rooting for people to get paid. But the bottom line is the NFL has a larger roster than any other sport by far, like twice as large as the next largest sport, and you can't guarantee the contracts of 53 players on your roster. Even for for any extended period of time. So what it would do is essentially kind of where baseball is, where all the guys who aren't solid starters or, you know, solid rotational backups are going to get one-year deals worth next to nothing. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's going to push, it's not going to help the league. It's going to hurt a majority of the league who aren't, well, you know, you're not going to see as many like, you know, if you have to guarantee your quarter, your backup quarterback's contract, are it'll you help giving, the stars. Yeah. Are you giving chase? And everybody Daniels? has that dream of being a star. Uh, that's where we're at, you know? Right. And that, like, but that's the problem is like most of the league isn't stars. They aren't. No one goes into the league thinking I'm going to be the fringe backup and I need to secure my money when I can. No one goes in thinking that. You yeah. know, I'm going to be the next seventh round pick that goes on to be a superstar, or I'm going to be I'm gonna be Brock Purdy. Yeah, or <laughs> I'm going to be you know, undrafted free agent who comes out of nowhere and makes the Hall of Fame. Like, so I get why they want, but it you know sometimes it, you know you can't see the forest through the trees. Right. And yeah, so I'd gotten in all that. So what I wanted to ask then too, so whether or not Lamar Jackson is on the team or if they, he like another team signs him to an offer and the Ravens do end up getting a first round this year and a first round next year, if they like traded up and got a rookie this year or taken someone next year, that doesn't really change your opinion of what you're doing with Rashad Bateman. It's all kind of still just kind of the same situation yeah. regardless of whether Lamar comes back or not. I mean, we'll see what they want to do with the offense. If Lamar's gone, I imagine they change it up some. Yeah. Maybe that helps Bateman. And just to remind everybody, we had uh, Todd Monken came in to replace Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. That's the big change that happened. Todd Monken was the OC at Georgia in 2020. That's what he was doing. Which prior to- may not lead to more passing, upon second thought. <laughs> and what are we feeling then about, uh, so in addition to that, the Ravens do what the Ravens do and sign some people that don't do a whole lot. They signed Nelson Aguilar to a one-year deal. I'm not. There's no real fantasy relevance there. I'm not banking on him so, in any way, shape, you know, or form. Solid depth wide receiver for the Ravens, and not necessarily for fantasy. Yeah. J.K. Dobbins is the other main one out of there. He looked good when he came back at the end of the season. There, yeah, weeks did. fourteen to seventeen. Yeah, I, I mean, here, let's see this real quick. Uh, for Dobbins, uh, my outlook, I, I'm. He needs to. He needs to have an RB one season here. Uh, you know, to. I mean. If he doesn't, he doesn't, and you're stuck with him in Dynasty. It is what it is, but for me to feel good about where I drafted him in the first place, and, I mean, it's been a long time since his injury, um, and uh, he did have that. He was he did seem to be running a little weird uh, on those longer runs that we saw uh, a little bit there. So hopefully, you know, he's he gains the confidence mentally of coming back from an injury uh, because I know it, it can be tough to overcome. You know, you don't play football for a long time, um, but I think the, you know, Physically, he he, he he should be there, and uh, I 
I want him. I want to see him finish in the top ten this year, uh, realistically. You know, somewhere around you know maybe seven to twelve. But uh, I really think that if we're gonna see him take the top off and really have a big year, it should be this year. I did kind of the same thing with some RB numbers here. It was obviously a little more complicated because you have both rushing and receiving when it comes to the running backs. So I kind of looked at it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't catch passes and a player who might. And so for somebody like J.K. Dobbins, who probably is only going to have about like one catch a season or so, two catches a season, maybe if that, or yeah. J.K. Dobbins doesn't catch a whole lot of passes. He gets one, maybe two targets a game. So in order for him to be an RB1, he's going to need to have close to 18 carries a game and score eight touchdowns this season. And if he gets one catch per game at the running back average of 7.3 yards per reception and manages two additional touchdowns receiving or just 10 touchdowns total, he'll come out to have 13 fantasy points per game. And that would be a borderline RB1. But that's what he would need 18 carries a game, essentially, and like one catch per game in order to hit those thresholds. So it's a lot harder for a purely rushing running back. We already kind of knew that. But like if you compare that to, you know, like a receiving running back, somebody like an Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, uh, even like Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon last year, they could suffice with, you know, 14 carries and four catches a game. And they'll come out getting close to 15, 16 fantasy points per game, which is kind of what you're looking at for an RB1 starter. So it's going to be J.K. Dobbins is going to have a harder path. But again, it's one of those things where I think he'll be a solid like week to week starter. I don't know. I think the floor is safe. I don't think there's going to be too many weeks where you're going to have to worry about a six point performance. I think he's their starting running back. They're going to run a lot. I imagine him falling into the end zone every so often. He could have, a, you know, he could have easily have 10 touchdowns this upcoming season if Lamar Jackson is back and playing for them. So I, I I'm imagining, you know, around 12 fantasy points a week from J.K. Dobbins as a steady baseline is kind of where my projection is. So, again, closer to an RB2 or mid-RB2. You feel any differently, Rich, or any sort of? No, no, I think that's fair. Okay. And anything else we want to talk about as far as the Ravens go and anything pertaining to them? No, I think that's everything. All right. Next thing we have is two related moves. We have Derek Carr, who signed a four-year deal with the Saints. It's worth $150 million, $28.5 million per year. Uh, so Derek Carr is now on the Saints. We have Chris Olave there. They restructured a deal with Mike Thomas and brought and gave him like one year for $10 million. The Saints also signed Brian Edwards, Derek Carr's guy from back when they played on the Raiders together. I know he used to be somebody that you knew a little bit about, Rich. Brian Edwards, you know, no disrespect, but he stinks. I'm sorry. Did I hurt your feelings, stinky? Jameis Winston was brought back on the team as a one-year deal to be the backup, and they re-signed Jawan Johnson to a $12 million deal with $8.5 million guaranteed. So big news is that Michael Thomas is back. Chris Olave is still there. Are we? we I think we've talked about this before. Concerned about Michael Thomas affecting Chris Olave's status? Uh, no. <laughs> Is how many games is he gonna play? Let's be realistic. They are. They, they, Dennis Allen just came out a couple weeks, was two weeks ago, and said Michael Thomas still isn't a hundred percent healthy. And it's been how many weeks? How many months? Like, yeah, I'm terrified of Michael Thomas coming in and eating into the target share of Chris Olave. Let me tell you, boy, that escalated quickly. Yeah. 
Dude, uh, I was trying to buy a Wave uh, a couple weeks ago, too, and I mean, dude, I just, I'm trying to get in, obviously, on any of those guys, like Garrett Wilson, Drake London, like, Wave have a lot of draft capital right now, I was looking to consolidate, I mean, I, I, I was looking at even moving Herbert, uh, moving Herbert out, and then because we're playing in a, you know, a single QB league, uh, just taking a, taking a dart throw on one of the guys that falls to me in the second, because I have a lot of seconds this year, um, I mean, I don't want to move on from Herbert. I still think he's pretty good, but uh, if, you know, you gotta you gotta solidify where you can. And I think having an elite—I mean, I'm not gonna say these guys are gonna be elite all their whole career, but was projected a, a very very good rookie season, projecting to potentially be elite in the in the league long term. Uh, I, yeah, I'm not concerned about Michael Thomas either. I, I, I grabbed Michael Thomas in my redraft just as like a $1 guy last year. Uh, I was like thinking I was all being all clever, all sneaky, you know. Oh, I'll pick up Michael Thomas. He'll come back, you know. Ah, I'm out. Brian Edwards, we don't have to talk about that. Everybody knows he's the most hated uh, player, one of the most hated players on, on internet forums uh, by, by guys who thought they were being smart and picking him. The most, like... One of the most, the, the prototypical hype train candidate. Like, everybody came out of nowhere with Brian Edwards. He's going to be this dude. Right? How many teams has he been on now in the league? Is this third team? At least. In three years or four years? Like, come on. Every year there's always some chatter about this is the year for Brian Edwards. This is the year. I fart in your general direction. Maybe this is the year. You seem you seem to be taking this personally. Is there some some story behind that? I may or may not have acquired Brian Edwards at one point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I think then the the biggest story here is Chris Olave. I feel about Chris Olave the way I think people feel about Garrett Wilson, where we have seen Derek Carr just pepper a guy with targets, specifically like Hunter Renfro and even Devontae Adams last year who had an up-and-down year. And I do think that Chris Olave could just see a jump in targets because, again, his only competition at the moment is Michael Thomas, who we don't imagine to be there. So I'm expecting closer. Oh, no love for Shahid? Huh? No love for Shahid? Rahid Shahid. That's his name, right? Rahid Shahid? No love for Shahid. Yeah, so I'm I'm imagining Chris Olave is, is the wide receiver one there without really any competition. And I think he will come close to that uh, base stat line that I had said earlier and be close to 15, 16 fantasy points per game. I think Olave is going to blow up this year. I actually tried to acquire him earlier this week and was unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I haven't been trying to really. I'm, I think I'm just waiting for closer to the draft. I think there's some assets that I think we'll appreciate as we get closer to the draft, and we'll see what happens there. So I haven't been trying to acquire anybody. I keep, but you guys keep. I keep hearing both of you like, oh, I was trying to get this guy. I, I was looking into getting that guy. I'm in on everybody. Like Howie Roseman as yeah. GM. I'm, 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 I'm listening. You know, picking up the phones. I'm calling, knocking down doors if I got to. We'll find a deal. We'll find a deal. And then with Derek Carr going to the Saints, he left a void in the Oakland Raiders, or I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. Wow, what a slip there. Las Vegas Raiders that Jimmy Garoppolo filled. He's on a three-year deal, only worth $67.5 million with 34, uh, yeah, uh, $34 million guaranteed. Just So Jimmy Garoppolo is now on the Raiders. So obviously Devontae Adams is there. They signed Jacoby Myers to a three-year deal worth $33 million, and then Hunter Renfro is still there as well. They also brought back Keelan Cole, and then they added a bunch of random guys there. DeAndre Carter, Philip Drissett, Cam Sims. What are we looking at here? I think Jacoby Myers is the biggest 
like the talking point because of how as far as how it affects Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. I think Hunter Renfro might be uh, Donzo. Well, it's looking that way. Yeah, it looks that way. What? So uh, what's his name is out of there? Uh, I know we know this. Uh, Darren Waller is already out of there. Uh, Renfro had a horrible season last year. Uh, for, missed a lot of his yeah, he missed a lot of the time. Um, Devonte Adams wanted to kill him. Oh uh, yeah, he did. Oh uh, yeah, after running into him in that play. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, it was it was that when uh, Adams ended up pushing that guy on the sideline? Was that get that? It was right after that. Adams was not having a good day that day. No, that was a rough day. But uh, I, I mean, for Renfro is if he doesn't do anything this year. Um, I mean, I, I like Hunter Renfro a lot because he had a really solid year for being where where I was picked him at not last year but the year before that twenty uh, twenty one. Um, but if if we don't see a lot of uh, targets his his way this year. Um, then I mean I'm kind of out on him at that point. Uh, it's I don't expect him to be anything. I, I expect his ceiling to be wide receiver two, low end, low low end wide receiver two at the very top of his game. Um, I think realistically, it's finishing somewhere between 35 and 45 on a a decent year, a guy that you can have to fill in uh, on bye weeks, injuries, that kind of stuff. Not anything to inspire confidence. Maybe he has a pop off game here and there because he gets a touchdown or something like that. But it could be a good. He, he could be pretty solid in PPR. So that's that's about where I'm feeling on him. It's like I'm confused with the Myers signing. It's like Hunter Renfro is a slot. Jacoby Myers is a slot. Who's the odd man out? It's just redundant skill sets. I mean, I just I <laughs> there's don't... another team that's doing something even crazier that's similar to that that we'll get into a little bit. <laughs> just but, like, yeah. I don't. Know. So, uh, Jacoby Myers last season was on a points per game basis, the wide receiver 29 as a good far as PPR, 12.9 fantasy points per game, and Devonte Adams wide receiver six with 19.7 fantasy points per game. In addition to them two now being on the same team, Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback. I don't imagine Devontae Adams is going to take over Debo Samuel-type role and run the ball a lot. So how much are we projecting for Devontae Adams in his age 30, 31 season with Jimmy Garoppolo under center? I expect a step back. I don't know, but what do you guys think? That's what I'm thinking. I mean, I remember I expected that last year as well. But... I don't really have an opinion on this one. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he hits his 19.7 fantasy points per game. Um it's probably more likely in the 16, 15, 16 range. Probably somewhere closer to there. And then as far as Jacoby Myers, what are we doing? He was... I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, he was very reliable in New England. He was not flashy. It wasn't a- anything of that nature. Consistent. It was just plug him in, 8 to 12 points, and it was reliable. I don't know what to make of it now. I mean, when he was in New England, there was really no other competition to catch passes. It was it was him and you know a bunch of other guys, and he was the clear front runner. Now, obviously, Adams is above him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out the pecking order with the other guys. But with Renfro, uh, yes, I think it's the main guy there. And then you know they got a they did bring Austin Hooper on a one year deal and OJ Howard he's a professional tight end, as well. tight end he's a professional tight end he's going to catch some passes Hooper 
So, yeah, I just think we're going to be down on the Raiders' offense this year in general then because there was also talk that they might trade up to number – they were trying to trade up to number one overall before the Panthers uh, moved up to number one overall. That's what was uh, the rumor out there. And basically what got it done for the Panthers was having DJ Moore and the Raiders didn't really have something to offer like that. You know, Hunter Renfro would have been a guy they could have – in a similar situation they could have tried to offer, but he coming off a hurt season wasn't very productive and, when he was out there. So he didn't have the – he wouldn't have had the value of DJ Moore nah. if he was fully healthy, but, you know, just all that compounds it. DJ Moore is a superior player. Right. But the Raiders were also two spots higher than the Panthers, so right. that was something to weigh in. But it was ultimately, again, yeah, all of that. So, all right then. We'll move on. Darren Waller leaves the Raiders. And he- uh, uh, DJ Moore, real quick. What, how, what are you doing with him this year? We do have them Very quickly, up. he has been a point in trade negotiations um, as a um, a package. He's in a package potentially for Justin Jefferson. Um, we're, we're exploring that. But if that doesn't come to fruition, he's going to – you know, end his career on my roster and however many years that's going to be. That's my guy. I love DJ Moore. He's only 25. And it's hilarious because I started off the first year I ever had him in um, in a redraft league. I hated him. Couldn't stand him. And I ended up getting getting um, getting him in Dynasty and again in redraft for like the past like two or three years. And like, I, he, that's my guy now. I love him. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his stats like from year to year, like 16, 23, 18, 24, I mean, he's just – yeah, he's solid. He's you know he's not too flashy. He has a couple pop games, but most of the time he's just in the teens. He's a solid player. We'll get more into that a little bit later. I do have him further down on there with some other uh, things to mention as far as the uh, Bears and all go and situation there. So that's why we'll come back to that. We'll just move on to the next situation we we'll talk about, which was what I was referencing earlier. Darren Waller leaves the Raiders and goes to the New York Giants. The New York Giants have made some moves. Aside from Darren Waller, they got a deal done with Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million, $92 million guaranteed. Saquon Barkley got the franchise tag because they didn't have to tag Jones. They re-signed Darius Slayton. They brought in Paris Campbell, and they signed Jamison Crowder, as well as re-signing Sterling Shepard. See, the problem with that is Waller kind of plays the slot, mm-hmm. and... Paris so Campbell does, plays the slot. So does Shepard. So and does Jamison Crowder. And Darius. I guess you can put Darius Slayton on the outside, but they're all kind of slot wide receivers there. So the New York Giants have like four or five slot wide receivers on their team. Yeah, I think Dayball's working on a new offensive scheme. Slots only. New meta. Yeah. You only line up receivers into slot receivers. No outside X's, no Y's, nothing like that. It's only slots. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. So Paris Campbell got the most significant, or no, actually Darius Slayton got a more significant two-year, twelve million, depending on how it split up. Paris Campbell's a one-year deal with uh, two point nine million guaranteed, base of four point seven, and a max of six point seven if he can hit incentives. So some incentive to get an extra two million for him. But based off those numbers, it doesn't seem like they're expecting a whole lot. That's not the Jacoby Myers or Alan Lazard or Juju Smith-Schuster eleven million a year deal. What are we What are we doing with the Giants' pass catchers here? Are you drafting a wide receiver in the first round? And if they are, how do you feel about them? But you know what they'll probably do? They'll draft another slot wide receiver. Yeah, in the first they'll round. they'll take like a Jordan um, Addison, Zay yeah, Jones. Yeah. Hmm. Smaller guy, slot receiver. Why not? Right. I mean, it seems to be what they're going for. It's a yeah. solid strategy. They're all interchangeable, so you're never going to know what they're running because exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's genius, really. Yeah. <laughs> 
And how are we feeling then? So, with the passing game looking less than stellar at the moment, I know Darren Waller is there. Do you imagine it's going to be a lot of running for this Bronco or for the Giants teams? Are we how? What are we looking at with Saquon Barkley after coming? He had the bad year in 2021. Comes back in 2022. There was some question about it. Didn't look too great for the first week or two, I think, and then has a great season. Finishes as one of the so, top fantasy assets. I see thoughts comes, brewing. Yeah, I have, I have two thoughts about it, and well, two thought trains. Which which way do they go? Do they look to? He was he was tagged, right? Do they look to work out an extension for him and get him paid? If they do that, I expect to see them lighten the load a bit on Saquon so they can extend him Protect and have him for an extra on the back end of that contract extension. He they still have him. He probably won't be. A, what he is now at that point that's beside the point so do they want to extend him and get a deal done if so lighten the load if not and they don't and they're going to let him walk after this playing on the franchise tag this year then they're probably going to run his ass into the ground and you're going to want a piece of that in fantasy you're going to want a big piece so i which way does it go i where, where do you guys lean i mean uh i I, I like Barkley a lot coming into this year. Uh, as we just said, uh, passing game is up in the air right now. Um, I expect that, you know, he could we be seeing a Josh Jacobs type scenario where they just want to run the dude as much as they can and get as much usage, usage out of him. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to predict what, what they're going to do with him long term, I guess. Um, I don't know if you guys have any uh, crystal ball like insight into that, but I mean, as far as redraft goes, I like them. Um, as far as dynasty goes, I'm holding them if I'm competing for sure. Um, if I'm competing this year and you get a good, you know, good price for them, I'm I'm, I'm buying as well. I, I looked into uh, just like kind of general, like I didn't actually send an offer, but I just asked like the owner would you even be considering trading Barkley this year and some sort of package that gives him a lot of picks um you know and he was he was saying no and I get that I get because he's he's in his window right now um long term I'm not you know he's he's 26 right now I'm not sure what he's 27 but he's starting to get up there in the ages he's got a a lot of carries throughout his career already. Um, we've talked about this ad nauseum. The wheels start to fall off, regardless of who you are. Father time comes for all. So, I'm selling Saquon Barkley if I have him in a dynasty league. He's his. I think he's at the most value he will have for the rest of his he, career at the start of this season. And the problem is, you've got to. I I just I don't see him. I don't see like. Anything he does this season, I don't think he's eclipsing next season because, one, we don't even know where he's going to play at the moment. So, like, there's the two scenarios. They tag him, at, or they just he plays on the tag, they run him into the ground, and then you're hoping that he doesn't get injured, but then he's going into free agency as a 27-year-old running back, and you're hoping he goes to a situation that wants and needs a solid you know, running back like that. Or the alternative is they sign him to a long-term deal, and they lighten the load, and then he doesn't have the top five upside that he currently seems to have right now. So right. I think he's at peak value to to sell and acquire a bunch of it. Like, I would take up plenty of picks. Like, if you had 101 in, in, in that and something else, obviously you're taking yeah. Bijan Robinson instead sure. of Saquon For Barkley. Sure. But, I mean, even a few other picks after that, I might, you know, 
depending on where, again, like you said, it partly depends on your roster construction, but even you might want to take some picks for next year. We talked about there are some good guys coming up, especially if you're in a super flex league. You want to first round you know, the, the who find the team you think will be you know the worst in your league this year and get the 101 for next year and grab Caleb Williams if you're in a super flex league who's going to be a baller at quarterback. Yeah, I think with selling Saquon though, it's it really depends on your window. Like it's definitely it's not a bad idea. Like if you're like a middling team or you're rebuilding or something and, and you can get a very nice package for absolutely you should. But if you're if you're a top two team in your league and you're looking at it like you might just want to you might want to ride Saquon for that to try and get to that chip. I mean, granted, like you said, it might end up hurting you in the long run, but at the end of the, you play to win. Right, that's the and, thing. If you hold on to him, I'd rather get rid of him a season too soon than hold on to him a season too late because then he'll have no value. Like, absolutely. Like if I I get what you're saying. If you're competing though, it yeah. changes it a bit. Like if rebuilding, absolutely, because you, if you don't trade him at peak value, you're you're missing out. You're left holding the bag. But contending wise, you're not. You're chasing a chip. You're not left holding the bag as much, per se. You still get caught with a player whose value dips, and you won't be able to get as much as you potentially could have. But you're still chasing after that, that ring, that championship. You're going after that trophy. So you got to kind of weigh your opportunity cost on, you know, how realistic of a shot do you have at the championship versus what type of package can you bring in. Because like if you could bring in a young, like, if someone wants to give you – I don't know, like an like, like an ETN in a second or something I was gonna like say, that if you for don't... Saquon. Like, okay, that's something you want to think about. But like, if they're coming at you with like, I give you my first this year, which is a late first, and then a first next year, and then like, um, I don't know, single tag no. or like some like other like middling running back with a couple picks, and you're contending. It's like I don't know. It doesn't really move the needle too much. Like if you don't have the one hundred and one, I need a usable player and a pick in order to be moving on from. And that's like the that's yeah. the bare minimum. You know what I mean? But I need a usable player, like somebody I can put into a starting lineup. And it doesn't necessarily have to be running back, depending on your situation. Right. But if I could get slightly younger at a position and get a player that I can use now, so it's not completely falling off where it's like you know if I can just get a guy like if Saquon's going to put up you know 16 17 points a game if I get a guy who's going to give up who's going to give 12 13 can I still compete losing four or five points fantasy points a game if I'm really one of the top two teams in the league I think I can just I that's just my I just feel slightly different I also haven't been contending in dynasty the past two years like you have so I don't have the same perspective as you But that's just that we feel slightly different about what to do with Saquon Barkley, and that's okay. Yeah. That's there's different opinions, and you can do whatever you want out there. That's the beautiful, beautiful thing, thing about, about Dynasty. Dynasty. Yep. Yeah. Hey, you know, jump on the uh, the Dynasty football subreddit and talk to all the perpetual rebuilders. <laughs> <laughs> See, all right. Different strokes for different folks, you know. Everybody needs a taco. <laughs> I'll be that guy if you want one. We're going to wrap this episode up here. There's still plenty of stuff to get through in free agency, but we're getting close to that time limit, and there's too much for us to try to get done in a 10-15 minute time frame, so we're going to wrap it up here. Still got some other quarterback moves, running backs, uh, a lot of movement on the running back situation. We'll get into the next episode. Until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Oddballs, and subscribe and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich Howe. Mike Coyle. Have a great day.